Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Michigan State drives 80 yards in 14 plays, taking up 628 of the clock, putting it in with just 341 left in the third to go up 24 to 6 at Rutgers. Could not have gone any better for Michigan State. 24 to 6. The game is essentially over. It's now a matter of how do you get rid of the clock, although you can't quite cut that switch off yet. Unfortunately, the Spartans did. And the outcome ended up being probably the worst loss in Michigan State football in decades. 27-24 loss at Rutgers. A 21-0 beatdown by the Scarlet Knights in the fourth quarter. Rutgers goes to 5-2. and two. They're going to make a bowl game this year. Michigan State drops to 2-4, and 0-3 oh in the conference. Bowl hopes are done. Spartan Pride Podcast. This is Spartans by 7. I'm Jonathan Schopp. We're going to look back at the extraordinarily painful and demoralizing loss, 24-27. Rutgers, on this edition of the Spartan Pride Podcast. In all the years I've been covering Michigan State actively, which goes back to 2009, this is probably the first time we need to start with special teams because the anatomy of the collapse that occurred at Rutgers on Saturday was driven so heavily by Michigan State special teams failures. I will preface this by saying what you probably already know I'm gonna say, 
nearly everybody around the Big Ten expected a special teams coordinator change for Michigan State before this season. That did not happen. The results have been what they've been since. This all started. The meltdown began with a punt that was snapped and did not get recovered. Michigan State fumbles a snap, essentially. And Rutgers uh, picks the thing up. And from there, they have a short field, and all of a sudden, it's 24-13, but there's not a really big concern. Not a huge concern. The third quarter is going to end. Not a big deal. The Spartans couldn't do anything with the ball from there, but the special team's miscues were not done. The key play of the game was really without much of a doubt. The not-quite-fair-catch kick that was mishandled by Michigan State is really the spark that lit the fire that let the Spartans down to blow a pretty significant lead at 24-6. to It was going to be a tough day for special teams. You had rain, you had a little bit of wind, but the wet ball was the issue. Surely Michigan State was prepared for that. You heard Kate and Hauser talk after the game about doing some work with wet balls. I assume that the snaps were working with wet balls, that the punts were working with wet balls, that the punt and kick returners were fielding balls that were wet. But it's really hard to create, really, really hard to create game conditions. And as a result, it all started to fall down for Michigan State through that special teams. There will be a change to Michigan State special teams before the 2024 season. The question right now is whether there will be a change for the special teams coordination before the end of the 2023 season. That's how badly this has gone, and that's how painful this loss is, regardless of what you hear. If you've been around Michigan State a long time or any team for a long time you've you've seen this before this is a really 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 tough one to get off the mat and if this is coach barnett's team and he feels like a change should be made he should have zero hesitation in making a change today right now what does he have to lose nothing not one thing we're looking back at michigan state's 27-24 loss at rutgers on this edition of the spartan bride podcast you know we've Got to look at one more thing. The back-to-back nature of the special teams plays is is really what just sent the thing down. And and like Coach Barnett said, he said an avalanche, but snowball. And he's been around a long time. He should have known and seen, hey, this is snowballing. And unfortunately, nobody did anything to or pulled the right plug to try to, to flip out of that. You know, after the Michigan State punt that slipped through the punter's hands, it was the short drive, two-point conversion, and then the kickoff that uh, Henry decided to let bounce. And essentially, Rutgers recovered it just like an onside kick. The timing of those two really is what did it. And Michigan State didn't have an answer, and they needed to come up with an answer. They needed to come up with an answer. And if there's a lesson to take for Coach Barnett, he's got to pull the right plug and fire alarm to try to snap out of that. 
I am curious what he'll do with the special teams coordinator for the rest of the year. What changes will be made, if any? I don't see any downside to making a change if he does immediately. I, I really don't. The offense for Michigan State could not have started a whole lot better. Caten Hauser got going really pretty early and really pretty well for a first start. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Well, first of all, if you looked at his ball, his ball comes out at a pretty good pace. We haven't seen a pace of ball as well uh, as Hauser displayed. Um, the last time I remember seeing something like it was Peyton Thorne's first start at Penn State, which was pretty darn good in 2020. But this is an interesting ball, interesting pace that's coming out. It's not the same as Noah Kim. It's not the same as anybody else. Everybody's ball is different. Hauser did pretty well. 133 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He ran the ball well, too. 27 yards. I expect to see him rapidly developing, remaining a dual-threat quarterback as he is a national recruit for a reason, an Elite 11 guy for a reason. And he really did pretty well moving the ball. Um, the second half, after the free fall started happening, I'm not sure he did enough to try to snap out of that either. You can argue that that's not his job. Of course it's not, but there's always a little extra that's going to fall on a quarterback. But still a pretty positive experience for Hauser, the most important player on the offense. Spartans ran the ball pretty well. Carter had 52. Berger had 49. Hauser had 27. That, that's pretty darn good against a Rutgers team that ranks so well stopping the run. And to their credit, the Michigan State offensive line looked much better. It honestly looked like the offensive line we would have expected to see in week one. I have no idea why it took that long to get there. You sure hope that it stays that well because it'll give the Spartans the best chance to compete in the rest of the schedule because there are some games that they could go the wrong way, begin to snowball, and they will not look much competitive at all. These are uncharted waters. We don't know who's in it, who's going to stick with it, what you're going to get. So the better the offensive line can go, the more likely Michigan State can hang around, maybe scare somebody a time or two. But offensively, it's hard to, it's really kind of hard to say many bad things about the Michigan State defense. The 27 points that Rutgers scored, many of them were not on the defense at all. They held Rutgers to 114 rushing, only 295 yards overall. They did pretty well on third down. There's some, some positives. Three turnovers, a couple picks. There's some positives, but the reality is they would have had to stand on their head to pull out a miracle and a real timely turnover to, to stop the snowball that was, that was falling. It's got to be discouraging for a defense, but you do see signs of hope. You see new names. And what you see is some of the newest talent that's come into Michigan State. If it stays at Michigan State, it's got a future to where it's going to be competitive at least and possibly competitive at the level needed to compete for the Big Ten once again. We're a ways away from that, though. A ways away from that. And we're only a handful of days away now from Michigan State, Michigan. We're going to talk about that later this week. We're going to come back and wrap this one up with a few more looks. Talking about Michigan State meltdown. 27-24 loss at Rutgers. And what's next for this football team on the Spartan Pride podcast? One thing that we like to look back at every week on 
this show is almost the back end of the preview. Offense, defense, special teams, intangibles, one-on-one matchups, coaching, and overall. Look at this. Intangibles, we talked about them being with Rutgers. They proved to be with Rutgers. Rutgers needed to win that game more than Michigan State. They wanted that game a little more than Michigan State, and they had just enough to do it. You say, well, they were already 4-2. and two. It's not that simple. The loser of this game was going to basically get knocked out of bowl contention. Because when you look at the rest of the schedule for Rutgers, you're at Indiana, which is a very winnable game, but not a complete guarantee. Very winnable, though. Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, Maryland, it will be tough for them to have a chance to win any of those games in the fourth quarter. It will be tough. So it's very possible that Rutgers could go to 6-2 and two this week and then slide to 6-6 six and six at the end. Intangibles were for Rutgers. Michigan State actually looked really good. The, they looked really uh, playing within themselves a lot, especially Kate and Hazard playing within themselves, not doing too much, in total control of the game. And when it came time to find some kind of intangible to pull this thing out, to steer out of the, the skid, if you will, before the total crash happened, they did not have it. They did not have it. So you've got to give the edge clearly to Rutgers on intangibles. One-on-one matchups turned out to be a lot more even. My concern was that Michigan State was going to get beaten, pushed around by Rutgers. That's a really bad sign. They did not. They hung right in there. If you look at the numbers for this game, they're very, very even across the board. They, they really are. Um, as far as who moved the ball better and didn't, I mean, they're all in there. So that was not a problem. That's a decent sign for Michigan State. There are a lot of eyes on the strength and conditioning for Michigan State. And unfortunately, it was even overall, but not even when it mattered most. And that's a real difficult pill to swallow. There's no question how hard kids work all year, and it literally starts within days after a season ends. There is a question in how they're trained and, and, and what they're doing, and are they reaching their potential or going beyond? It's not a simple equation, but we're not going to hide from the fact that the Michigan State strength and conditioning uh, was looked to be a strength in 2021, and it really has not been since. And depending on how they hold up in the next couple of weeks, we'll have a better idea of that. If they are more competitive at the point of attack with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State than they were last year, you can take that as a bit of progress. If they're not, you've got a lot more work to do than you wanted to get this program back moving in the right direction. Coaching-wise, this has just been a load of lessons for Harlan Barnett. There are some folks out there that don't understand what people say when they say, you know, why can't we have a first-time head coach take this job? Why, why can that go wrong? Well, Michigan State has a long list now of why that is. Bobby Williams, Harlan Barnett, not really Mel Tucker because he had a year at Colorado, but the mistakes that have been made by Harlan Barnett so far have been costly. Uh, I think if you were looking at an experienced coach, they really, there's no question, the Rutgers game, you figure out a way to, to pull out of that skid and win. The Iowa game would have been won. And the Maryland game, you would have had a chance to win if not won it. That's a best-case scenario. So some of the mistakes you're seeing relative to not changing the quarterback soon, well, not changing the quarterback at all, really, in the Maryland game when you needed to in the first half, the Iowa game when it was clear as day, and I think there had to be kids on that team that felt like they were let down by their head coach. And yesterday, when everything's going south, 
in college football, it's 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 really the coach that has to try to figure or has to figure something out to, to snap out of it. It's not the NFL that naturally seesaws back and forth. And we don't see that, although we're we're seeing more of it maybe uh, this year than we've seen in the past. And we may see more in the future, but it's the head coach that's got to figure out a way to snap out of it. I don't know what Harlan Barnett's going to do from here, but I would I would like to hear him say and make clear he's making changes to the special teams, who's running it. Look, just like Barnett's got a shot, if there's somebody else in Michigan State football that needs a shot to coach on field and can come in and not have them set back at all and possibly move them forward, this is the time to do it. What in the world does Harlan Barnett have to lose by making a change? Not a darn thing. And he can also shed any complacency or it's okay or poor me's for this football team by saying, you know what, we're going to try something else because we still have a chance to win and we got a lot of games to play. It is now or never to make that move. Let's keep an eye on what he does there. Overall, this is one of the worst losses in Michigan State football history. Modern times. I was actually at the 49-3 game at Michigan in 2002. That was the beginning of the end for Bobby Williams at Michigan State. It's funny because Michigan State took a 3-0 lead relatively easy to start that game. The, le- the rest of the game went down 49-0. to zero. I was at that one. That was pretty bad. This was really bad, too. This was way worse than the cramps game, which embarrassed John L. Smith in the strength and conditioning at Michigan State during that time, uh, during the Drew Stanton years, and they went out and cramped and lost to a not-good Rutgers team. This is one of the worst losses for the Mel Tucker era, if we're still counting it as that. It's funny because Tucker era started with a loss against Rutgers that should not have been a loss. That was a game that a more tenured coach would have won. It was a game where Mel Tucker made mistakes that Mick Saban was making in 96 and 97, which was head-scratching because Tucker was around 97 and 98, and you would have thought he would have learned a lesson and not done that. And this was one that started to get away from Michigan State. They did not have an answer for it. It all snowballed fast, and you've got to find a way to shake something up to try to stop that from happening. It did not happen. This is the bottom for this team, regardless of how badly they may get beaten in a game the rest of the year. This is probably the real bottom, in my opinion, if you're looking for reality. And if you're tuned in, if you're still listening to this after 27-24, if you've got to get the painful wrap-up out of the way, you are with it. You're with me, and I appreciate it. Your time is your currency. I appreciate that. This is the Spartan Pride Podcast. We'll be back midweek to take a look around college football, as you know we like to do. In the meantime, take a look around the Fans First Sports Network. Check out some of the podcasts and takes from your favorite pro teams or maybe another college you've got, an undergrad or a grad school you went to. We'll talk to you next time on the Spartan Pride Podcast.